Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the Romans Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. I know it's been a while, and uh, we haven't necessarily been the best podcasters as of late, but today, <laughs> episode is packed, full of great content, great Twitter questions. We, we got... Our, our, our Twitter feed, like, blew up, like, within the first, like, maybe, I don't know, hour or so of uh, of me posting our weekly Twitter posts where we ask for questions. I, we we got all of our questions within the first maybe 15 or 20 minutes. It, 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 th- that, that's phenomenal. So that just gives you an idea of how long it's been since we recorded because you guys are so antsy. Yeah, loyal, the loyal rep army. The rep army. <laughs> Andres, how you doing, man? Glad to be back. Part of why we haven't posted recently is because I'm an awful person, got too busy, and couldn't edit a quick uh, pod me and Zach recorded, so I take full responsibility. But back, ready to get back in our typical weekly form and talk some Chelsea. We basically reverse Ross Barkley'd Andres because, you know, he dropped the ball, so we should have left him out of the side for a few weeks. But instead, we're just <laughs> kind of bringing him right back in. Yeah, and I have just, nothing to do. I have no blame at all for not posting the episode. So that's just <laughs> let's make that clear, okay? Because I wasn't involved with this, which it might be another issue completely of itself. You but. know, you know the thing is, like after we recorded that episode, me and Andres were like, that was a pretty good episode. There was a lot of good dialogue in there, and then I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it was it, it was a long week, but then anyways. life happened. New yeah. the new job, all that kind of just took over, and that was my bad. This is no, not our first. This is not our first episode of the year, is it? No, I don't think so. I don't know. Is it bad that the I don't 13th? know? Yeah. Okay. I'll, <laughs> the head. I'll have to double check. But if not, happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> no, there's zero the chance. I'm gonna say right now, this is not our first okay, episode cool. of the year. I don't no, think no, it's, it's just been a while. Episode. It's been a while. We talked about. We had a, a Nottingham Forest preview. <laughs> How do you remember I'm that? Swear. <laughs> because that was like. FA Wait, Cup who scored was again? Couple... I swear, I swear, I'm I'm not making this up. But let's get I believe to it. You. Yeah. <laughs> so as we normally start our shows, I know it's been a while, but normally we uh we do a review of the match that happened this past week. And this week, Chelsea three, Bernie, Burn, <laughs> Burn, Burn, Burnley nil. So gotta, a huge, huge. You gotta say it like Burnley. Oh, Barn or Barnley. I think it's Barn. Barnley. Okay. So uh, the starting 11, I'll go through that real quick. Cup and goal, Dave Christensen, Rudiger, and Reese James in the back line. Jorginho, Mount, Barkley, the re- return of Ross Barkley in midfield. William, Cover your eyes, everyone. William, Cho, and Tammy up front. And the funny thing about Ross is that, uh, well, first of all, we got a question from at Nick Lenartson. He said, are you scared to see Barkley back? This is actually the <laughs> – See, that's the funny thing about Ross, is is, is that question exactly. Sorry, Sam. I, like, interrupted you halfway through because I'm so excited to answer it. The, the funny thing <laughs> about Ross Barkley is that I actually, like, I was in, I was uh, at a ski resort, and it's called Mammoth Mountain in California, over the weekend. And so, like, I was drinking the night before, and I woke up at, like, with, like, maybe 30 like minutes through, yeah, yeah like 30 minutes left in the match and i like first thing i see is ross barkley and i text the group and i was like guys am i dreaming am i still drunk like is this actually happening or uh, but i mean zach 
<laughs> well, how did you feel? Were you scared to see Ross Barkley back? I was terrified, but <laughs> no. Look, look. I I guess the whole thing is is that he had like this undisclosed foot injury, which is the reason why he was like not himself in the beginning of the year. But like, I mean, we really haven't seen Ross Barkley be himself since he came to Chelsea. See, I knew there was this something match, wrong. Like, I knew there was see, something um, wrong. He, he oh was, yeah, he's an amazing uh, player. Sure, that's it. There always has. There's always something wrong. There's always, but no, like in all honesty, I mean, he didn't play terribly. I, I I thought he was productive in the match. I mean, he had, he has a, he has a really good range of passing. Like he has this ability to pass the ball where he doesn't necessarily float it like Jorginho, but he more kind of shoots it like a straight arrow. And, and he had one pass in particular to Cho that led to a shooting opportunity. But Look, like, I, I know there's a lot of people blowing steam up his ass after this one and like, oh, like, Ross Barkley is back. No, like, to to quote Andres, Andres, I'm going to steal your quote. <laughs> he oh, said after the game, after the game, we were we were all talking about it. And I was like, you know, like, this, this doesn't really the, this performance doesn't really change my opinion of Ross Barkley much. And Andres is like, if anything, this added like a million to his price tag. And that's that's kind of how i feel about it now so so thanks andres yeah. for that it was, it was like no. it was like showcasing our prize show like horse you know like our show horse you know trying to yeah, sell them like it, it, it's like an auto exactly. auction the car rolls through and you know yeah. like that's, that's it it's refurbished example. yeah look i and i hate to say this because you're not supposed you only play against who lines up against you right like that's always the argument for for players like oh he did only well against this team well it's like well that's who he played against but before everyone pointed out all the good things Ross Barkley did, but they also don't talk about the fact that the guy lost like seven duels, like only completed one dribble. Like there was a lot of good, but there was still a lot of the typical Ross Barkley in this performance. So what about the fact that Burnley were just awful? Like they were allowing this guy to have three or four touches in, in, in midfield before picking out a pass. Like any, my grandmother could pick out a pass if she had four touches. You know what (laughs) I mean? Not just him. They, they backed off our midfield way too much. Yeah. Well, they didn't even try to play football like typical Burnley. I mean, when have they ever come to the bridge and tried to play football? I don't think I've, I don't think they've ever tried to play football. Not their style. Not their style. <laughs> and they're probably yeah, they have the ginger Mourinho at the helm, man. Uh, their manager is known for doing that. I'm, I, his name is escaping me right now, but the ginger Mourinho, Sean Dyche, yeah. exactly. Sean he Dyche. he was never going to come attack against us. And you you know people say, oh yeah, I mean Chelsea's awful at home, but at the end of the day, it's it's Burnley. They're not gonna they're not gonna go out of their way to to start attacking now. Yeah. Well, it, you know, I thought I thought they really missed Ashley Barnes a lot. Like Chris Wood was just so isolated up there and, and, and he got the shit kicked out of him and got the shit kicked out of him at the hands of Andreas Christensen, who looked like it looked like Christensen was actually man marking him most of the match. And Rudy was the one playing off the ball, which I thought was interesting. But Christian kind of held his own, and he beat Chris he Wood. He was great. the shit out of him, yeah. I, I know we, we're not talking about him. He's not like a highlighted point. But it's crazy how Lampard's last quote about Christensen was talking about how – well, it was an indirect quote about needing to be more physical and yeah. and getting stuck in. And I would argue that Christensen was our best defender in terms of defending. We'll yeah. get to Reese James in a second. But mm-hmm. in terms of defensive – solidity i thought that he was kind of a leader in today's game you're like you're right he was fighting wood hand to hand and it didn't look like he was a scrawny center back 
I think I think it also showed like within this game. Just one last point on Christensen because I know we're gonna move on, but I I think this match showed more than anything that he's easily our most comfortable defender on the ball. In terms of our center backs, Rudiger's just a loose cannon at this point. I don't know what happened. He was he was at at least he was decent under Sari. Maybe it was a system because there was always an available pass and Sari mm-hmm. ball, quote unquote. Ugh. The first time we mentioned that horrible phrase in God knows how long. But, I mean, maybe it was the system that Sari had because, you know, there's always a pass available. There's always a simple ball to play. But with Frank's system, like, it just seems like, you know, Burnley were almost inviting Rudiger to divide the ball. Like, it's almost like they expected him to play that 50, 60-yard switch that goes flying over everyone's head. And he did time and time again. Like, I don't know. It's it's it, I'm, I'm not concerned, but it's – it's annoying at this point. It's almost predictable. And back to Ross real quick. I mean, as, as much as I love talking about Speaking him. Speaking of predictable. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I meant that, like, as not, like, like, like as a serious as, as possible. Because really, the only reason why he played is, you know, N'Golo Conte, a quick, you know, a late injury right before the match. And, you know, we yeah. right now we're, we have a thin midfield. Um, we got a question from at Bobby Toddy. How much would an attacking midfielder help this team? I mean, for, before before you guys answer, I just wanted to say Danny Drinkwater was our answer until we got rid of him. So, uh, but... hey, dude, he was awful. He was so bad. Where is he at again? Aston Villa. He got subbed out early too in the weekend. I watched. I, think I watched. Got... The... Go ahead. I think his only other – so he only had like two Premier League starts all year. One of them was this 6-1 defeat to City. And then I think the other one was when he when he was at Burnley. He also started against City, and I think they got like waxed 4-0 in that one also. So he's probably just having like nightmares of Mares just running circles around it's, him. I mean that, it's one game that he's played, and there's already like a low light cl- like clip <laughs> of everything that he did that – of just that one Courtesy match. of Bobby. Courtesy of Bobby sending that to us earlier as well. Yeah, dude, that was so funny. I oh, love that one. God. Um, but, well, no, like, yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess, like, in all seriousness to his question, like, yeah, I mean, I guess we're missing Loftus Cheek in a sense because, I, still, like, like we have we we have Kovacic who could break the lines and run with the ball, but we don't have somebody that could that's powerful that could run with the ball within the squad. Like, okay, everyone's gonna jump and say, Ross, what about Ross Barkley? Well, guys, like, I've seen him do it maybe twice all year, so, I mean, I need to see yeah. it, like, two, three, four not times every, a half. Not everyone is gonna jump out and say that, just to be clear. Well, only only I will. Those <laughs> who would jump out, but still, like, you know, I, I, I do think we're missing Loftus-Cheek in a sense, but I don't think we're missing an attacking midfielder. Like, I think we got one in Mason Mount. He's, he's not your prototypical midfielder where he's a ball player and he's going to play 70 or 80 passes a match, but he's going to give you the hard yards in the midfield and he's going to make runs into the box and, and try to create chaos, which is something that he's pretty good at. So I don't know if it's a sense of us missing that, that you know, goal scorer, assist maker. I, I think that's kind of constructed within, you know, our midfield rotation that Frank has going on because – you know, I, I the one thing we're missing is goals. But in terms of creativity, I think we got guys in there that that can create and that are you know that have an ability to break through defenses with you know their vision and what they're passing. So, ah man, I, I'll take a different take on this. So I think it depends on what kind of midfield three you want to build, whether it's a Man City style or a Liverpool style, where Liverpool's is all about functionality and just doing the hard work behind the front three. 
or cities where they depend on that midfield three to create for the front three, whether it's KDB or David Silva. So if it's in the Man City mold, I, I think that we definitely need to have somebody that can be that David Silva-esque player who is naturally a 10, but is willing to do the hard work of an eight and come up and create for his teammates. So that's that would be nice to have a player of that caliber that can not even maybe not not just find that final ball that's a t- quick little five to ten yard pass that somebody else won't see, or maybe someone that's willing to make that pass and then follow through, get himself in the box, get the ball back, and take the shot. So I get that. I mean, I I think I see what, where Bobby's coming from because you see what City did to Aston Villa this weekend, and part yeah. of that is because when they have the ball and they have a guy that's just his mind is working miles faster than somebody else just in that final third because we know that Jorginho he is three steps ahead when it comes to build up but he's nowhere near the ball in that final third to make something happen so I kind of get what he's saying like an Isco or a man I I don't think we're linked with many of them like Coutinho's a different 10 I think I, I line up Mason Mount more with a Coutinho style 10 so I would say someone more like Isco David Silva someone like that would be pretty good to have on this side to to kind of foil your Kovacic and, and Loftus-Cheek who are your your dribblers and your the guys that will break through the lines with the ball at their feet. But but that's the thing though like I don't think it's a matter of Frank trying to build a midfield with with like an identity. I don't think he's trying to go for like three or four midfielders that he's just going to stick with. I think Frank has proven that like he's more of a reactionary manager. So maybe like I could see where Bobby's coming from in the sense that, you know, maybe we're missing that midfielder in terms of squad depth, right? In terms of Frank reacting to certain situations in certain matches and, and having that player that he can, you know, resort to to kind of throw on and say, here, go, go ahead and make something happen. But I don't know. Like to me, I, I don't really see like a pure identity in a Lampard midfield as of yet because he rotates the squad so much and he does adapt you know, his system, his formation, and, you know, the amount of midfielders based on who we're playing, right? I mean, sometimes we see him go with a double pivot. Sometimes we, you know, a a double pivot and more of an attacking midfielder. Sometimes we see only a double pivot. Other times we see, you know, this quote-unquote Man City midfielder you're talking about where we have Jorginho with, you know, essentially two eights in front of him. So, I don't know. I mean, well, what think- I guess I'm saying is like we don't have that. You the the midfield doesn't yeah. need a full identity, but we don't have that somebody style like a pick player. a lock. Yeah, yeah, we don't have that guy. Like again, KDB has that pass trademarked, but he put put a ball around three defenders that landed on Gabriel oh Jesus. God. We don't have a player that thinks like that. That's what I'm trying to say. We don't have that guy that's gonna, you know, who's an like an artist basically with the ball. Jorginho yeah. sometimes gets the long ball in certain situations, but we don't have someone that does that consistently. Our fullbacks, I know Lampard wants our fullbacks, and again, sorry that I keep mentioning Reese James, we'll get to him, but we don't have somebody that can operate in the middle of the park that can unlock a low block, even if there's six men in front of him with just one pass. We, we yeah. simply don't have that. So I'm not saying we have to have a, a full midfield unit identity, but just having a guy that could do that, that thinks he can get the ball in and, and slide it between three players in the path of a running Tammy Abraham. Like w- we will need something like that for certain situations because not every team is going to be as poorly organized as Burnley when they're trying to do a, a low block. 
Yeah, but those players also are some of the most expensive too. I, I, oh, I mean, of I mean, they're they're probably like the rarest find in world football right now. Like, it, it that's probably the hardest position to go find is like a is like a true number ten type player that you know just has creativity up the ass basically. Because modern football, you know, it's it seemed to it seemed to gravitate away from you know the um attacking fulcrums being primarily in the midfield to now you know the attacking coming from the wings courtesy of the fullbacks which is interesting all right andres i know you can't help yourself so let's just get into it reese james yeah yes okay because we're we're gonna go through the three uh academy products we're gonna start off with reese james uh three shots 81 percent pass uh, pass completion three key passes two tackles one assist so, Andreas, it's only right that you, you start this off. Talk about Reese. All right. I've been saying on this podcast that right now I fully believe that the fullback position is the most important in an 11 because if you have a modern fullback, you have an extra extremely wide midfielder joining the attack and overlapping runs, underlapping runs, when done properly, are so hard to defend. And we finally – have the guy in Reese James, and he's shown that he should be our starter at the right every week, every single week. We were talking about, like, oh, it's going to be hard to displace Aspie. No, no, no. Aspie, Aspie's doing fine on the left. The guy got himself an assist this weekend. Keep him on the left. It'll probably help our center backs to have a guy over there. Reese James does so much on both ends of the pitch. His, just the way he times his runs and his crossing – those two things on his own, we haven't had that at Chelsea in who knows how long. I really don't know who the last fullback we had that can play such a fantastic driven cross where he's actually trying to play it somewhere and the ball actually goes there. The fact that our offensive players still are shocked when a ball comes in and is where it's supposed to be. Like, it's baffling. This guy's got the perfect build to be playing in a Premier League defense. He's got the speed. He's extremely comfortable with the ball at his feet even in the press he's quick and again he his football iq is beyond his years i'm everyone likes to point out that our offensive academy players are a certain level or potentially future elite players reese james has the highest ceiling in this academy that's it's that's just it that's fact there's a reason why he won I'll take, I'll take it because he won player of the year ahead of Cho when Cho had 20 goals and 15 assists or something like that. So, yeah, I'll, I'll put my yeah. money behind that. And I guess you're not the only person to think that too, then, if, if he won that ahead of him. Yeah. So Really not that hot of a take after so all. So happy. So happy with Reese James right now. And everyone that was thinking, oh, he only played at Wigan, well, I'm sure he's proving all of them wrong too and, and silencing them. So, Reese James – by far the man of the match in this game. I can't mm-hmm. wait to see him just I, – I don't see Lampard removing him anytime soon from that right side. No, no. I, it, it, here's the thing. Like, he has the whole package. Physically, I mean, like, he's a unit. He's a monster. <laughs> I mean, the defenders basically bounce off of him. You add that with pace, his willingness to get forward, and also how dynamic he is when he gets forward. He doesn't just overlap. But he underlaps as well. He could take defenders on 1v1. And he could play different types of crosses. He doesn't only have one, uh, you know, uh, uh, one hand. Like, he could play a, a, a 
all these different types of crosses. Well, we saw that looping ball that he played over to Tammy. We know he could play that weird clipped ball for at that diagonal angle where he makes that inverted run right at the top of the 18 I always talk about. But he could also play a driven ball as well. So, I mean, he has a full package almost everywhere around. He had one volley in the match that was blocked late in the second half. But, like, you could hear the crowd go, ooh, even through the TV. Like, he hit that thing perfectly, even though it got blocked. But, I mean, his ability is just insane. Like, I can't go on enough about how necessary it was that we get, you know, an attack-minded fullback somewhere in the squad that can do a little bit of everything. You know, we had Alonzo that could do almost anything going forward but couldn't do anything <laughs> defensively. And now we have Reese James that's that, that you know, is that two-way fullback that we've been looking for. But... Um, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, you know, at the end of the match, Lampard was quoted and, you know, he said, uh, or I don't know if it was before or after the match, but he was talking about Reese James and he mentioned something along the lines of um, Reese being a huge attacking outlet for our team. And I think it goes to show that, you know, you look at modern football and you look at the impacts that fullbacks have in terms of attacking build up play and creating chances. And you see that Frank Lampard is really trying to build a modern football team here, right? He's not sticking with these old outdated ideologies. Like he, he's identifying that Reese James is a, a potentially world-class fullback uh, in the attacking sense, at least. Um, and then you have, you know, the left-hand side, which we're in the market for, but, you know, he's encouraging those crosses into the box. He's encouraging us to play balls like that into the box because it catches teams off guard. And look at the team, look at the teams Lampard was a part of in the past. I mean, he played with one of the most aerially dominant center forwards, you know, I've ever seen in Drogba, right? Who can who who can, you know, win an aerial duel against essentially any center back in England for at his time. And, you know, he he even talked about Cho after the match saying like that, you know, that run that Cho made into the box, like I, it made me happy that he scored, but the fact that he scored from inside the 6 was, you know, like exceptional. So Frank is clearly yep. harping that to the team. And the fact that Reese James is actually, you know, putting that uh, into play on the pitch and it's paying off, you know, with 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 resulting in goals and assists for him, it's phenomenal. Like like the only way from here is up for Reese James. And that's something mm -hmm. that I'm really, really excited about. The only thing that's slightly concerning is the injury factor. You know, he is a big he, he is a big footballer, like uh, not chunky, but he's just a big guy. He has a lot of weight on his body. So, you know, that's something that, you know, we might have to potentially, you know, take into consideration or he might have to take into consideration as his career goes on. Maybe lightening up a little bit, maybe leaning out um, without sacrificing too much of his strength. But I mean, as of right now, like, like there's there's absolutely zero complaints in terms of our right side, especially when you throw Cho into the mix. Yeah, and Andreas, to add on to your point, I mean, just look at the top of the table with, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, Trent Alexander-Arnold and <clears throat> Andy Robertson. I mean, that right there, like when those two really broke out two years ago, three years ago, I mean, that just really propelled Liverpool over the top as, you know, a really good team to an elite team. And I think yeah. that you're right. Like it's that's where the modern trend of football right now. Yeah. And, and even outside the Premier League, I mean, you got Barcelona is – Extremely dependent on Jordi Alba's runs. Mm -hmm. uh, Dortmund now with, with right. Hakimi. Yeah. Dortmund with Hakimi. Bayern uses Alaba and Kimmich a lot in their attack. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Long back I in mean, the day too. When 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 uh, Real Madrid won three Champions Leagues, they had Carvajal and, and Marcelo at the top of their game. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a necessity. Just it, adding it, it that. Causes, yeah. It causes an overload. 
Mm-hmm. You, you know, defenders, there's not enough people because if you can control the ball and add those two guys into the attack, it it just causes problems. In the in Cho's goal, Reese James drifted way central, found Aspie, who was at the corner of the box, who then crossed yeah. it in. He was almost on the other side of the pitch. <laughs> yeah. He was at the semi at the semicircle of the box where he when yeah. he let go of the ball. So when you have guys that are that comfortable moving forward that also have the energy and pace to get back, that's just a headache. And because Paul- Go ahead. And plus, the great thing about having Dave, a guy who's played in a you know three man uh, center back formation, like you you can be more than comfortable having him co- uh, move up the pitch as much as he wants with you know with Dave back there. In. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's I think it's like that that kind of barrier or that protection blanket allows him to push up even more without like having to worry about anything. You know. I mean, I mean, out of all the youth players, I mean, besides Loftus Cheek, because I, I, I guess you could compare them too in terms of like how physically dominant they are for mm-hmm. players their age. But I mean, Reese James has to be the most dynamic of the academy players for sure. I mean, you just look at his physicality and what he could do on and off the ball, the types of runs he makes when when we have possession and the ball's not at his feet, but also like what he could do defensively as well. Like, okay, th- there are you know. If you want to nitpick, yeah, his defending could could use a little bit of work. I think sometimes he doesn't necessarily track back as much as he should. But, I mean, that's something that will only get ironed out with experience, right? The good thing is, you know, great defenders don't – great defenders don't start out as great defenders when they're 19 years old. Like like the delicts of the world. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of like those other young defenders out there that are just like – obscenely brilliant at 19 that's not very common right and reese james like people pointing out his deficiencies defensively like the dude is still so young like what is he 19 20 like you can't expect him to become this world class the fact that he's this good going forward this young i mean give him three or four years and watch how he is defensively you have a potential world-class defender on your hands by the age of 23 24 all right, let's move on to the next Academy product, and that is Cho. Big statement game for all the Cho haters out there. Um, you know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go through his stats. Uh, one goal, 60 total touches, three key passes. Uh, Frank was quoted after the match saying, that was the real Callum Hudson-Odoi and what he can be. What were your guys' thoughts on Cho this match? Zach, I'll start off with you um look a great performance uh all the way around i mean it, it this i the goal against forest did him wonders because you know from his first touch in this match you can just kind of see like okay this this is chose playing with some attitude right like he's playing with some fire and and that's similar to what we saw from him last year. And that's what got us really excited about him last year was like that, that combination of youth and naivety, that, that willingness to run at defenders and really not give a shit what happens if he loses the ball. And, and that's, that's exactly what he did against Burnley. And, um, you know, he got his goal. It was a great run into the box and that shows, you know, a shit ton of confidence in itself. Um, but you know, I, I'm not going to get too excited because, again, it is only one match, and I'm thrilled for him. You know, he got his Premier League goal. VAR almost ruined it with, like, a full minute of trying to figure out whether it hit Tammy's head or not. 
But, you know, I, I, I guess the thing for Cho, and I kind of have the same outlook on this as Frank does, where, like, Frank's not getting too excited on, about him, right? We've seen him coach different players in different styles as the season went on. You know, early on, he was full of praise for Tammy, um, you know, and, and, and fair enough. Like, that's the relationship they have. And, you know, you look at what he said about Tamori. He only had good things to say about Fikayo Tamori coming into this season and you know, compare that with what we saw with Cho. Frank is showing some tough love as the season's been going on, right? Like at, after yeah. poor performances from Cho, Frank would go to the presser and be like, look, I mean, it's not good enough. He has to keep working. And he he was frank with him. And maybe, no pun intended, but maybe that's the way that, you know, Lampard and Jody have sort of cracked the code to Callum Hudson-Odoi's like mental block that he had, right? Maybe this guy just needs some tough love. Maybe we have to put pressure on him for to succeed. That's what elite athletes do. They thrive under pressure. So, you know, that pressure was put on Cho's shoulders and, you know, for us it's paid off, especially against Burnley. Now, the real question is, can he sustain this? I mean, he has his first Premier League goal. We have, what, 16 matches left? Let's see. Maybe – let's see if he could get five or six. Let's see if he could pass seven or eight. You know, that's the next real step for him. Um, putting together three, four, five really solid performances back to back to back. Um, and then that'll constitute Cho being quote unquote back for good. But um, no, I mean, it, it was great that he performed well. And, you know, th that combination play with Reese James on the right side. It, I mean, that's I, I think I think we got our right side on lock for uh, for the future, don't we, Andres? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I thought they were great. But to, to bring it back to Cho, I the way I see it, and, and usually I see this more with, with players when they go to their international team, where having the pressure to to be the guy or or where you have to succeed, uh, you see it often with, with James Rodriguez in Colombia or even Shakiri in Switzerland. I think that Cho came into this game knowing Pulisic is hurt, Pedro is a non-factor, it's William and me like this is it we need to be the guys to do this and I think that that sort like you said the pressure but also knowing that I that he has to be the guy just gets him more motivated to to play up to this level uh whenever he was coming on last season under sorry we were all crazy to, for him to play the fans were and you know this kid's on social media so he sees everything we want Cho why the hell is sorry not playing Cho so whenever he finally got on the pitch, everyone was ecstatic. Like it, it was his show, and even before this match, and I and I know I'm bringing in the social media and the the outside stuff a lot, but the Chelsea uh, Instagram or Snapchat story literally called it Cho time pre match. Yeah, it's it's Cho time. Like they were making it about him, and I think that the kid just embraces that. He wants the yeah. limelight. And it might be – maybe that's what gets his – you know, floats his boat. <laughs> maybe that's it. He wants to be that guy. He wants people to look at him the way that, you know, the world sees your Ronaldo's, your Messi. He wants that sort of – maybe wants to be in that conversation, and that's what it is because that – I don't know. Like you said, he scored it against Nottingham, and now he's looking different. I think it's simply that, that he's not seeing online, oh, we should play Pulisic ahead of Cho. Or, oh, Mount is even better than Cho in the wing. It's, no, we need Cho to, to do it. Like That's who we have to play in the wing. And and that now he's being like, okay, it's my time. It's I need to do this. And I'm glad that he's responding this way. Because otherwise, if we were down to 
the injuries that we have right now and Cho didn't perform, that would just ruin the kid. Like, because yeah. again, at, at this young age, it's, he doesn't have the psyche of, of a vet that can get through hard times on his own. So I'm happy for him. I think that today or this match was huge for his mentality. And I hope he keeps riding this confidence. I also, you talked about the link up with, with Reese James. I think that helps a lot. He has a guy behind him that he almost has a telepathic connection with, whether that's on the offense or defensive side of the ball. So that level of comfort, I'm sure, played a huge factor into how he was playing. But yeah, we we can kind of move on to the to that link up between him and, and Reese James if you want some. Yeah, I mean, right, that there's a quote uh, Cho after the match. He talked about the link up with uh, Reese. He said we we have great link we have great link up with him. He likes to find you early. Loves overlapping and getting crosses in. So when we play together, we know what each other wants. Uh, so, I mean, I know Zach mentioned it before that uh, Cho and Reese on their right side is, you know, a great duo. But do you think that should be like the mainstay on the right side with Cho being there as long as Reese James plays behind him? I, I think so, man. I I mean, we always talk about it. I truly think that Willian is better on the left. It lets him do his typical dribble to the right and sets up that curling shot, which probably is 80% of his goals for Chelsea. So, we get to play William in his preferred left side. Cho has shown that he can also put in a mean cross. So if you have now two guys that can be a danger from the wide area on the right, but they're both also very comfortable cutting inside from that right side, why not? Why not? They, they obviously have good synergy. Cho was running back the deepest I've ever seen him come back on defense to cover for Reese James. So Again, not only do they know where to pass each other, but they also have that camaraderie where it's, okay, if my friend, you know, who I've played with alongside for years, can't make it back, I've got his back. I I think that's just going to add so much more to that right side. I think I think this was Cho's, like, formal declaration of, like, uh, I'm a right winger. Like, I, it, it, it's clear that that's what he prefers. Um and to be honest with you, like, I, I kind of like that because, you know, we talked about it earlier on, you know, this season. We even mentioned it last season, too. The types of runs that Cho likes to make, like, he's not necessarily, he doesn't like to stay wide, but he doesn't necessarily like to stay narrow either. He likes to mix up his runs. It's almost like, you know, Frank kind of gives him the license to just find the space or, 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 or find the match almost like just kind of make the runs based on how you feel, how you're reading the defense. It's not necessarily the structured organized football that sorry played where his players were told to make certain runs and the same goes for Reese James on that side. And I think that ability for both of them to make different types of runs um, and one can make the same run that the other one isn't making and vice versa. I mean, that just adds a whole new dimension to our attack. I mean, Burnley had absolutely no idea how to defend our right side. And I think it was hilarious because, you know, we had a two 19 year old or three 19 year olds just absolutely destroying, you know, a, a Premier League side, essentially. <laughs> and, 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 and Mason Mount Reese and, uh, and, and Cho on the right hand side. So, well, you know. Mount's twenty one. Reese just turned. Well, yeah. Recent birthdays, but they're all sub. They're all the same U21. thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Mason Mount's been nineteen forever, so I just assume that he's still nineteen. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> no, but um, it, it it's it's just really good to see. You know, it, it shows 
that, you know, moving forward, I, I really hope that the club just sort of adopt like this different strategy and building the squad and just not necessarily going in there and plugging holes in the squad, but supplementing what we currently have. And, and I guess that's the hope that all Chelsea fans kind of have here because we really do have five or six just absolute gems from the academy that are proper first team footballers already. And that's and, and who's to say that, you know, a handful of them can't even become world class sometime in the future. We already know Reese has a potential. We already talked about Tammy's potential as well. Um, and, and, and now we have Cho, who seems to have his head back in the right place, who was touted as the crown jewel of our academy last season. So, I mean, it, it's only up from here. This is, it's, it's such an exciting time to be a Chelsea fan. And then, like, you look at other clubs like Burnley, who you kind of feel bad for. They only have one decent youth product in Dwight McNeil. <laughs> we have like a whole squad of them, but like like we don't even we don't even have enough. We have to send fourteen of them on loan. Fourteen Dwight <laughs> McNeils. <laughs> Tell me I'm not wrong though. It's a good yeah, business. No. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. But you know, in all fairness, Dwight McNeil is he, he's actually pretty he's pretty decent. Like he's a good footballer. What is he, like 19 also? Yeah, he's young. He's 17, I think. Uh, let's move on to the last one. <laughs> That's Tammy Abraham. Four shots, two on target, one key pass, one goal, three out of four aerials won. With with Harry Kane going down, Tammy said he's going to try to get the opportunity to lead the line for England. <laughs> I mean, right now he's three goals and 21 appearances in the Premier League and three assists as well. Uh, first... Uh, you want if you want to talk about Tammy this match, go ahead. But also just the idea of him becoming the number one striker for England. I mean, while Harry Kane is down, that sounds like an amazing opportunity too. I mean, what do you guys think, uh, Andreas? I'll start off with you. What do you think? Yeah, I think. I mean, Tammy had a good game. I'm not gonna say that it was fantastic because the guy could have easily had four, maybe five goals. Yeah. Like he just he just couldn't find the back of the net today, but. I think that the fact that once he gets his goal, he's still looking for more just shows how hungry he is as a striker, which, again, with Murata, with, you know, whoever we had recently, it was never – there was never a guy that looked so upset yet so driven to get that shot in the back of the net as Tammy has. We always mm. joke about how funny it looks when Tammy misses. He's like – it looks like he's about to cry or he's praying to God. It's like that's that's what you want. You want a guy that feels he's not – done his job unless the ball's in the back of the net so he was all he was always a step too short or like too slow to get to to the some of the crosses that Cho and Reese were playing but he's you see that the 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 fight and the the willingness to make those runs is there so and yeah, he's making I, good runs at that too right they're not yeah. they're not into pressure nothing like that the guy yeah. is 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 in the danger zone more more often than not in terms of starting for England, I think he's making a good case for himself. Obviously, Vardy is has scored more than him this season, but Vardy's also in his early thirties. I don't know. Retired? I, I don't know if he, I was going to say that. I don't know if he's internationally retired, but Gareth Southgate isn't afraid of playing the young guys. So, yeah. I mean, Rashford is also known to play the nine, but you've seen at United that he thrives more coming out of the left. So. Why not give Tammy a run of games in England? I he he's fully capable of it if he can lead Chelsea's line. So yeah, why not give him a shot in a couple of international friendlies? And if you know by the time the Euros roll, roll around and and Kane isn't fit, 
Well, there you go. You have Tammy, who's kind of meshed after a few matches with your England side. I guess if you don't know, now you know. <laughs> I mean, like, like we've only had two really world-class strikers in the Abramovich era, I would say, in Drogba and Diego Costa. I mean, you look at all the flops, Fernando Torres, Crespo, Shevchenko. I mean, the list kind of goes on and on. Murata. Um, and you you look at Tammy and you can just tell that he's going to be a success. I mean, he already has 13 goals and he doesn't take penalties. And this is his first season of proper first team football in the Premier League. So sky's the limit for him. Now, in this match in particular, the, the, I guess the one thing I'm going to say is like Andres alluded to it. The guy could have had four or five. This was easily the most frustrating match to watch him play in. Not because he was playing poorly, but because he was doing absolutely everything right, but putting the ball in the back of the net. And I think, you know, it, it it's ironic that probably his one of his worst headers of the whole entire season goes into the back of the net. Um, and, and, you know, he scores that goal and not, you know, any of the chances that he missed that he really should have scored. I mean, Nick Pope was just awful on that. Like, I don't know. That's the perfect height for a keeper to make a save. Right. I kept, I had, I had to keep rewinding it because the commentary just kept saying, Oh, like there's a weird spin on the ball. And no, there really wasn't. Yeah. I just think it was shit goalkeeping. I mean, <laughs> am I crazy? <laughs> I just think he didn't expect Tammy to get up for that. Yeah, and you know, and Tam, I mean, in all fairness, like Tammy did hit it into the ground, but the ball had no power on it whatsoever. It just kind of blew my mind that it went in. But I mean, fuck it, we got a goal out of it. But in terms of Tammy and and the whole England thing, I mean, I think it's totally possible that you know we really could see him playing for England in the Euros, especially with this Harry Kane injury. I mean, logic probably would have told you that it was probably going to be Harry Kane and then Rashford as sort of like the backup number nine where, you know, late in games if Harry Kane needs to come off and they need to go with just like raw pace, they could throw Rashford out there and put on another winger. But I mean, now Tammy Abraham has a legit chance of getting time in the Euros. I don't think he's going to get in ahead of Rashford at the nine uh, just because, you know, Rashford is having this freak season also. Um, and, you know, he does have more international experience than Tammy as well, but he definitely has a shot. I mean, I think I think if Tammy is within the realms, it, it gets at least 20 goals this season, it would be criminal for him not to get recalled to the England squad for the Euros. And he'll make the squad for sure, I think. Like, uh, how, how many guys do they have on the squad? Do I think they could 15? take 20. I think 24. 24. I think they could take. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, th- I think that he's probably a lock for that. But or no, twenty three, twenty three. Sorry. Yeah, it's a twenty three man squad. So I mean, it's just the it's the amount of opportunity that he'll get. I mean, right now it'll be a lot, but when the Euros come, obviously it's gonna be a different story. So let's move on. We're gonna move on to the transfer news and Twitter questions. But before that, here's a word from our sponsor. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. All right, welcome back. Uh, So here's our first topic of discussion regarding transfer news. So every week, it seems like we've been talking about Jane Sancho and Timo Werner. Werner. Uh, And it seems like talks have cooled down a little bit. Um, We actually got a question around you know around the same idea 
that from high uh, hat, at high plains moron he asks if you're on the board outside of Sancho or Werner who are you trying to get so kind of plays in with this kind of idea that uh, maybe we're not getting either of them is that surprising to you guys and uh, if we are not going after them who are you guys trying to get Zach I'll start off with you I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna say it's like Sancho or bust. Like you know, a lot of fans are saying. Um, look, I mean, we highlighted it earlier. It's very unrealistic to assume that Sancho or Werner would leave their current situations to come to ours because they're both well within a title fight. Um, you know, Andres always talks about the possibility of like that January deal coming in. Um, so you know, there is a possibility of that, of course. But we we as Chelsea fans are will do ourselves a disservice if we're expecting one of these signings to come in this month and actually be playing in a Chelsea kit sometime this season. Uh, so I mean, I guess with that being said, um, who am I trying to get? I mean, not there's no real names that actually like stick out that I'm like, ooh, we have to get that guy. But I think the most interesting name that has been touted around, and we will talk about it in a bit is the whole Moussa Dembele from Lyon. Um, I think it's interesting that Lampard is identifying that we need a backup striker that he can count on. And I think that, you know, it kind of spells the end for Michi with all the transfer buzz surrounding him. But, um, you know, looking forward, if that really is the type of player that we're pursuing, which it definitely seems like it is, um, then maybe we could look forward to a change of formation. So I guess I'm all in for that buying another striker so we could play two at the top late in matches when we're chasing teams we could line up in you know a 442 if we, if we ever need to um so yeah i mean I, I i would probably go with musa dembele only because it's the only striker that we've been linked with thus far that has goal scoring credentials um but is also at that right age where you know if we do buy him and it doesn't necessarily work out we can get back it you know most if not all of our investment Andreas, uh, let's see. So I'm going to take this question a little bit differently. I, I don't think buying for buying sake on the offensive side is going to do us any good. I know that this name I've said it a couple times, and it is very much a pipe dream. But the last time a Premier League contender bought a world class center back to their inconsistent team, they became the champions of in- of Europe, the champions of the world in terms of the club level, and are now oh, that- in a crazy run of form in the Premier League. And that is in Liverpool after they signed signed Virgil van Dijk. So I'm going to say it again. Go all out for Khalidou Koulibaly. What the hell does Napoli offer that we can't offer twice as much? Pizza. We can offer a bet. Okay. Really good we, pizza. We, we don't have Italian food. <laughs> Great that seafood. That guy probably doesn't need that anyway. Double his pages. <laughs> London is a cooler place anyway. He plays against better teams. He has a much better future in the next five to ten oh, – I'm not going to give him ten years. He's, he's older. But the next five years of his career, he has a much better group of players to grow around. Or not for him to grow, but for him to grow with. So get that world-class center back. I know we're going to talk about a, a, another center back that we're linked with. Stop that. We have already four of that quality. Go get the guy that's world-class, the guy that could step into any starting 11. And realistically, that's Khalidou Koulibaly. I really don't think that you know he's going to win a trophy in Napoli this year or, for that matter, for the rest of his career there. So yeah. 
that's the kind of guy that mm-hmm. I think would make an immediate impact that could make a change for us to solidify top four on the spot. Offensive players, they need time. A defender, playing defense against top quality forwards, no matter where you are, it's pretty similar. And in terms of physicality, which is always something that people bring up when it comes to the Premier League, that guy's not lacking any of it. So, for God, for crying out loud, go for a world-class center back if that's what you're trying to go for. And the player that Andreas is alluding to uh, is Lewis Dunk uh, from Brighton. So, Chelsea is linked with him. Apparently, the price tag on him is $50 million. Lewis Dunk. Uh, so, I mean... Andreas kind of already made his opinion, his thoughts on this transfer without <laughs> expressly doing so. But Zach, what are your thoughts on Lewis Dunk? Oh, actually, I think you kind of made your opinion too when you made the sound. So uh, I tend to make the add to that? sound when something sounds like, <laughs> and this definitely sounds like it, and smells like it, and sounds feels like, like it. Like what? <laughs> oh. So, is it really that funny? How old are we, guys? No, look, I mean, will always be funny. <laughs> they'll always be funny. But <laughs> no, but 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 in all honesty, look, like Lewis Dunk's a great center back. I'm not taking anything away from him. I think you know, in terms of leadership, there's a lot that he could add to the squad. He's also a decent ball player. He could pick out a pass. But again, I use the same argument with like the Nathan Ake argument. Are they a transcendent talent that'll absolutely transform the look of our team? And the answer is no. So that's kind of all I have to say about that. Look, I think I think this reeks of Chelsea, you know, circa 2016, 2017, where we would strike out and lowball, you know, offers for our plans A, B, and C. But, you know, uh, plan D still fits within the budget. And I think that's exactly that what too. this is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I I don't think fifty millions overpaying for Lewis Dunk because I think he's as good as Harry Maguire. <laughs> so, <laughs> worth mean, half the price. It's not really saying much, <laughs> but like, yeah, exactly. He's worth almost half the price. But it's it, it's not a world class signing. And like Andres said, I mean, the impact that no doubt Koulibaly would have like an insane impact. He'd probably automatically propel us into potential title challengers next mm-hmm. season. But. A guy like Lewis Dunk, what is that going to do? But I is mean, it even is an he... upgrade? Is like at all? Exactly. There's, there's That's no... the argument. I, I don't he... think so. The the yeah. only upgrade he brings is that he has scored two headed goals in the you know last season, <laughs> and then he's already had two headed goals this season. And our defenders haven't scored a header. I think Zuma did once, and that was it. So maybe that, but that's a stretch. It, he's not an upgrade on Rudy for sure. He's not an upgrade on Tamori or Zuma for me. And, I mean, based on the way Christensen played yesterday, could you really see Lewis Dunk coming into the side now with four center backs that are playing relatively well? And you don't pay $50 million for side? a fourth choice. Exactly, exactly. So, I'll actually yeah. be, like, really, really annoyed if this happens. Like, I'll actually be very disappointed. This will be like a typical old Chelsea signing where we would go out and spend forty million on drink water and expect. That's him exactly to what like, I was gonna say. Drink yeah. water two point Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. But but in all fairness, like I I want to put it out there. He's not shit by any stretch mm-hmm. of the imagination. He's just not the profile of player that we're looking for. Hey, he's a solid mid-table center back. That is not what we should be targeting when we have four decent top four quality. Center backs. I think I think it's that's a different the, level. 
that's the type of center back like Leicester should be looking at to replace Harry Maguire. For sure, definitely not definitely, a club like Chelsea. I mean, obviously, you know the fact that he's British, like that, that's going to increase his yeah, yeah. His, his value. I mean, so, I guess realistically, he's like a thirty-five million pound player. I mean, I, I think, think that's a fair valuation for a player like him. And Chelsea's never been the club. I mean, right now we do have a lot of young British talent, but I feel like Chelsea's never been the club to really buy into the you know homegrown kind of thing like they've been one of the first clubs in, in the premier league to like embrace you know or talent exactly yeah sorry that's exactly yeah. what i was talking about <laughs> but uh all right let's go on to the next point it looks like olivier Giroud's off to insert soon to be joining up with ericsson uh so should we be expecting a backup? Uh, the two the options that we have listed: Musa Dembele from Lyon, Habib Diallo from Metz. Do either of these names sound good to you, or is there another name out there, or do you think we need another one, Zach? You wanna... I mean, I mentioned Musa Dembele earlier. The only reason why I mentioned him earlier is because that's the name that I I, I picked out of the names are being linked with, right? And names that I think are realistic. I think it's realistic that he'll leave. I think the Champions League for them is pretty much a pipe dream at this point, especially with Memphis Depay going down. So, yeah, I think it's realistic. Now, him in January, I don't think we're getting him for less than around $60 million. I mean, what is he, like the fourth highest scorer in League One, and he's still very young, um, still quite raw. But, I mean, the type of player he is is very similar to DDA Drogba, and I guess the same could go with Habib Diallo. You're talking big bodies – tall, aerially dominant, physical, but athletic center forwards. Um, and, and and similar to almost similar to Tammy Abraham, right? Same same type of profile. So you know, the fact that we're profiling these players and looking at them and saying, okay, Lampard's going, I'm identifying this as a weakness. This is an area where I want to bolster the squad is something that's interesting. I talked about it earlier. Are we trying to play two up top? Because if we're really going to go after a striker in January, I mean, we're not going to go after a Musa Dembele and have him sit on the bench and be Tammy's backup. I don't think he's going to settle for that, especially at his age and the type of form he's in. Because there's no shortage of offers for him. Now, Habib Diallo, I did a little bit of research on him. Um, you know, he seems like a decent striker at this point. You know, he is young. He does have the physicality that we talked about. He looks like he could get goals and, you know, he is scoring goals on a lower, uh, a lower table side. But again, it's not an overwhelming signing. You know, we're talking about all these different attacking names that we're being linked with. And I'm throwing Musa Dembele in here as well. Um, you know, it's not as, it's not going to transform our squad in the same way that the other names are being linked with will like, Jaden Sancho, like Timo Werner, like players like Isco. So, you know, not too excited about it. But I guess out of the two, Musa Dembele would be the one where if we did purchase him, that would get me pretty excited just because of what he's done already and the interest from other big clubs that are sniffing around him as well. Man, I this annoys me. I don't know. <laughs> like Oliver Giroud leaving, Olivier Giroud leaving. Let's be real. He hasn't touched the pitch. So do we need a third striker if if even Mishy at this point, like do we need to buy one immediately if Mishi's not even getting the minutes either? If you told me that Mishi's the guy leaving, I'd say, yeah, we need to get a backup. But I don't want to spend money on someone that could potentially be just as good as Mishi Bachuai was. Uh, Diallo, I-, I tried looking into him as well. This season is his first season of top five football. 
recently. And yes, he's got 10 goals to his name. But just last year, he was playing for a club named Brest. I have no idea where that even it's is. It's not a not nice. a bad club name I think, though. I think it's, <laughs> it's located around the chest area, Andres. Ah, <laughs> there you go. Um, in, in terms of Dembele, you know he's he's handled his career all in a, in kind of a pr- positive and upward trajectory, right? He started at Fulham, then he went to Celtic. Now he's at Lyon. Is that guy going to take a backup role at Chelsea? I, I don't know. I think that he wants to be a, a week in week out starter. Like Zach said, if we're looking to play a 4-2-2 or a 4-4-2, great. That sounds like a, a decent signing. But again, are we going to pay a monstrous fee in January for someone that, you know, we we signed Mishi straight from France after he had been lighting it up over there and, and things didn't translate too well. I know that the links for Timo Werner have cooled, but I think that's more situational in terms of what time of year we're trying to bid for him. I just... If let's say we sign Dembele and we're still going for Werner, Dembele is going to just cause issues if he becomes a third striker at that point. So yeah. for me, if it's to replace Giroud, I know we're going to get into it later with the the kind of crazy young kid that we signed. Hell, let that kid be the third striker. He's sixteen so, though, isn't he? I mean, hey, Giroud hasn't touched the pitch. Is <laughs> like, he from Brest? <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I I just think I just think that there's no point in signing a a player to be quote unquote our third option when we have a decent second one. Look, I mean, if we're gonna get a backup option for Tammy Abraham, and you want someone that's realistic, that's gonna score goals, Edinson Cavani is right there. Go get yeah. him. Yeah. Go get him. I mean, he's what thirty. 30- Three years old. He's not going to be able to play week in and week out. You could throw him on in the Champions League matches late in games if you ever need to. He's completely reliable. Why not? Let's get him. But, I, you know, like, again, I mean, these names, Dembele and Diallo, like, yeah, they're great. Dembele, of course, is the better one in this situation. But those are, to me, those aren't necessarily the most realistic. They're just names that we're being linked with right now because, you know, the transfer front, let's be honest, it has cooled down with Chelsea because Jaden Sancho and Timo Werner don't look like they're going anywhere. And those are the two huge names that were surrounding us. And it looks like after that, the press didn't necessarily think of, oh, who else are we going to link them with also? But, you know, maybe it's a consequence of us not being at the top of the league. That has something to do with it also, but I don't know. Another quick note, Gallagher is to be recalled from Charlton and loaned out again. Uh, he's being linked with West Brom, QPR, Norwich, and Burnley as well. Um, not much really to mention on that. Uh, is anything you guys wanted to mention about that, Andreas? I hope he goes to West Brom. <laughs> Why is that? Yeah, They're, they're playing good football at the they're championship. I mean, they're, they're going to get promoted. That's another part of it. So if he can be an addition and a used asset to that team, then he can be kind of like when Tammy almost got promoted with Aston Villa. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that's great for him. He's, he's, I think he's another lone move away next season from even being considered for, for consistency in the squad. So why not go for a team that's most likely going to get promoted? Mm-hmm. It should be considered cruel and unusual punishment to send him to Burnley. <laughs> Yeah, that's they do not use creative players. Why put a kid who is good around the box, scoring, assisting? Why use? Why send him to Burnley? Just why? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, on to the next point. Frank says that Christensen is going to stay. Uh, this is interesting because I think, I mean, this was kind of a talking point more between us, not necessarily like the soccer media, but he was linked with AC Milan last week. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So there, so there was chatter about it, but now Frank is clarifying that Christensen is going to stay. You guys consider that a vote of confidence or what, what does that mean? Zach, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a vote of confidence for him. But also, again, I think it's Frank employing, you know, his man management, you know, again, different players. He manages different players differently. And I think with Christensen, he is a type of player that needs an arm around his shoulder. I mean, look what look what Antonio Conte did in the initial phase when he brought Christensen into the squad. Um, you know, he gave him the vote of confidence. He had a really good run of form. And then after the Barca match, he sort of seemed to just completely isolate him and he stopped paying as much attention to him and he stopped shouting him out in press conferences and Christensen's form dipped and he got into this really bad place mentally and sorry didn't help at all because he wasn't a man of the people whatsoever um but you know now we're seeing what Frank's doing with him and he's only having good things to say and yeah I mean we know what kind of ability he has so it could only be a good thing for Chelsea and look I know what Andres was uh, Andres I know you're saying you know it's important that you know we go after a center back in this window I don't think we necessarily need to go after anybody I think we could ride this wave out this season with these four center backs and then give them these next 16 games to further prove themselves and then make a decision in the summer where we could be a little bit more calculated and maybe even a little bit more ambitious in the market um but yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, I think it's great. It's definitely a vote of confidence for him, and hopefully, he puts together, you know, great performances in the future. Because look, I mean, again, he's, he's class. He's, he, he's, he's just a quality footballer. But he does need, you know, that type of manager that will be patient with him. I think Lampard's playing this a little bit differently. So, like you said, I'm not saying that we have to get a center back. I'm just saying if we are going to get one in January, make it a world-class one. Don't bring yeah. another squad-level player. Uh, the way I see these quotes is definitely man management. Frank is for sure trying to say the right things to keep his player happy, uh, to keep the player focused and motivated to play for Chelsea. But I also think he's playing his cards close to his chest. I think that if you are in public saying this guy is staying – People are going to want what they can't have. So mm. if we're – if it's one of those things where Big if details. Frank Lampard goes out, it's like, oh, yeah, Christensen's in the chopping block. We're going to get low ball offers. If we if, – if as a club, Chelsea say, oh, no, he is not for sale, usually that makes people go, okay, I'll just throw more money than his value really is because I, I need to have this guy. So to yeah. me – it's between Christensen – and I know this is crazy to sound, but say, but if we're going to eventually replace someone with a better center back, it's between Rudiger and, and, and Christensen for me at this point. If it doesn't happen in January but in the summer, as to who you can probably get the most for that you, yeah. you'd be willing to let go at this point. I think Frank is not going to – obviously, Tamori's staying. He just signed an extension. I think Frank has shown that he really likes Zuma. So – Rudiger, who's approaching his 30s, or Christensen, who has shown success at a high level in other leagues, those are the two that also have been splitting time the most. You know, I think that at this point, Rudiger and Tomori still have the most minutes. So teams might say, oh, well, if we put a bid strong enough, maybe the player and the club will consider. So again, I think. Frank is playing this smart because we're usually a team that sells first and buys second. 
So maybe this time around, if we say, oh, Christensen is staying, that shows that the team is not going to let go of a player unless we have somebody already in. Andreas, for director of football operations, we definitely need you on board. That was, that's a smart move right there. Uh, guys, are we in the Norwegian golden era right now? I mean, <laughs> it, it, finally Chelsea have made their first and only signing since the transfer ban has been lifted. And who do we <laughs> sign? Not Jaden Sancho, no. Not Timo Warner, no. 16-year-old Brian Fiabema from Tro- from Tromso. Uh, six- 16-year-old Norwegian wonder kid. Um, I mean, those are those are my words. I haven't, I haven't read that anywhere else, but... <laughs> Probably uh, says it in every article that was ever written about him, like every other sixteen-year-old. So this, but this one's definitely true, right? I mean, what do you seriously like? What do you guys think of the, of this signing? Like, it, it it really came out of nowhere, and this has been our first and like our only signing so far. Uh, I think I'll speak for us both, Andres, if you don't mind, because I, I I I know where you're at with this one, also. <laughs> Whoever we want to buy for our youth system go for it at this point i think we could pretty much trust our scouting network particularly in the youth ranks but also the last time a funky signing like this happened where we signed a player that no one ever heard of we signed ethan ampadu and i remember him being like what the hell are we do where where do we buy him from again exeter I think uh, I, I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, we really sent scouts to go watch an Exeter City match. Like, this kid must be either world class or we must be incredibly stupid. And I mean, he's already an international for Wales. And you know, maybe maybe it's another sense of the same thing here. I'm not saying he's the freaking Christ- Norwegian Cristiano, but we have a very good youth scouting network. So at this point. Whoever the fuck they want to sign, they could sign. And look, we bought him for a million pounds. So worst case scenario, if he doesn't, if he if he doesn't progress as a footballer, by the time he's 21, 22 years old, we could at least make seven or eight hundred percent profit on him. <laughs> That's how I'm looking at it. So who knows? Andres, tell well, me, am I right? Well, Zach, you, you're you're going to have to speak for Andres because apparently his internet just died and he just oh. dropped out of the call so <laughs> oh, has, okay. so yeah i'm gonna assume that yeah. he he does want you to speak for him in that in that uh answer so let's yeah. go on to the next question maybe it's possible that he we'll joins back on. yeah um so here's here's a question from ron what's up aka bone daddy cool aka bone daddy deluxe um he asked precautionary or not should we be worried about the injuries to pulisic and to conte zach <laughs> Well, yeah, Zach. Uh, yeah, it's, it's only the only me. one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, look, uh, not necessarily worried about the injury to Pulisic. I mean, I, this isn't something that's new to American fans. I mean, if you're a USA soccer fan and you've been following him around for a while, you know that even at his young age, he does pick up these weird knocks every now and then that could keep him out for a handful of matches at a time. That just seems to be like the normal process with Pulisic at this point. Um, my main concern with him is, is it, or is it not a hamstring? I don't know if it's been confirmed yet. I think Andres might know a little bit more about that, but, um, speaking of hamstrings, I mean, N'Golo Conte, yeah, that's one that I'm actually worried about because I think that this guy's just completely footballed out at this point. He's played so many minutes in the last four or five years 
And the thing is, I mean, since he burst onto the scene at Leicester, he's never really been rotated out of a squad. The only time he's ever been left out of a squad has been for injuries. Besides that, he's pretty much been chucked into everything else. You know, he played the Europa League final uh, last year, basically on one leg after a major knee injury. It made the knee worse over the summer. Missed out the first, you know, few games this season. Came back and his the first game he was healthy. He wasn't named on the bench. He was named in the starting eleven. And then he got another niggle, had to sit out a couple games. And now it just seems like it's this revolving cycle of him just picking up these little knocks and just, you know, the amount of matches and the amount of minutes he's put in the last few years just taking a toll on him. It's just a matter of that. I, look, I, if, if he really did tweak his hamstring this time around, just keep him out until the Champions League. Like, when is the Champions League? The second week in February or first week in February? Yeah. Let him sit out the next three or four weeks. Like, just don't don't rush him back. Tell him to take his time, take as much time as he needs. This season, we're really not going to make much noise. Um, you know, even if we do progress past around a six team, I'm not expecting us to make a, a run for the actual Champions League itself. So, you know, this is something that needs to be treated very, very carefully because, again, this is our most valuable asset on the squad. Well, funny you say that because the next question is from at CFC Dylan. He says, I think we need to talk about Conte and his current form. Do we sell? Does he say? Does he stay? Is he one of the best box? Is he still one of the best box to box midfielders in the world? Is he declining? So I mean, you led into it a little bit, Zach. What do you think? Do you just want to ask me these questions uh, one by one, and I'll give you a one word answer for all of them? Uh, just make one sound. Uh, <laughs> I don't even don't even use a word. Uh, do we sell on Golo Conte? <gasps> <laughs> Look, man, no, we do not sell a Golo Conte. Um, we should do whatever we possibly can to keep him at the club. And yes, he is one of the best box-to-box midfielders in the world. Um, is he declining? I don't necessarily think he's declining as a footballer. I just think his body and the amount of minutes are starting to catch up to him. Like I said before, I mean, I'm not going to go on and repeat myself, but um, look, like, I, in all fairness to Dylan, you know, it's not a stupid question, and it and it's actually a valid question to ask. He you just know, said, at this I point, think we need to talk about it. I don't think he's suggesting it. He's just saying it needs it needs to be discussed. Yeah, so like, second. yeah, and, and, and just to kind of like give a little bit of background why I think it's a reasonable discussion to have is because – you look at players in and around Conte's age, what is he, like 28 now, who have played a lot of minutes, who haven't been necessarily rotated very much. This is the age where, you know, if they start picking up injuries now, it's just going to continue until, you know, their career is over for the most part. I mean, it's just kind of how it is. The same thing, A similar thing happened with Marcelo mm-hmm. at Real Madrid. He broke out onto the scene, became you know unplayable, had to start every single match whenever he was available, put a bunch of minutes under his legs. And by the time he was 27 or 28, I mean, he's picking up a, a calf or a hamstring injury, looks like every other match, you know, and somehow still found a way to win three Champions Leagues in a row. But it, my point is that, you know, based on what we've seen with footballers and in football in general, when the body starts catching up to you and it starts telling you certain things and it's, you start tweaking muscles and twisting ankles and knees and whatnot, 
it's just going to be a trend that continues. There's really no way to shake it. I mean, you never really hear of people shaking the injury bug or shaking the title of injury prone. Um, I mean, unless your name is Derrick Rose. I mean, let's be hey, real. Come on. He's, he's, he's having an MVP like season right now. Okay. Compared to no, stuff. no, I'm shouting him out. I'm saying, I'm saying he, uh, I'm, 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 you know, know. Yeah, you're right. I'm dapping yeah. him up here, right. man. Right. Like he's actually a baller. He dropped 30 on the Lakers last week. He's a stud. Yeah. Um, all right, well, the next question we got is from at N Ward. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it N Ward? Ward. Yeah, it's N Ward. 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 Yeah. yeah, that's his last name. Ward, like Heinz Ward. Uh, yeah. He asks, who do you see exiting this transfer window? So uh, before we we had uh, Christensen on that list, but, you know, maybe maybe not anymore. I don't know if Andreas, if his point is, is, is He's valid. He's penciled in. Yeah, I mean, he's penciled. I, in. I mean, if if Andreas's point is valid, which I think it, there's some possibility that you know what he's saying is true, that they're it's doing that tactic. tactic. Uh, yeah, but I I I'd, I'd still lean towards him saying uh, mm-hmm. probably more. That's probably more likely. But who else, Zach? Is there anyone else? You, I mean, I think I mean, has the, has the Pedro deal happened yet? Is is he gone yet? Or uh no i don't i don't think it's official um i think it looks like one though yeah i think i you know ollie Giroud's pretty much gone at this Mm -hmm. point i think i think inter are just waiting to offload one of their players because i mean they have one of the weirdest financial budgets in world football inter (laughs) it seems like they could only buy players who are really old and cheap Mm -hmm. or they just go for a really long loan with an obligation to buy um they did but no they did just agree to terms with christensen right and with Ericsson. With Ericsson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so they agreed terms, but I'm I guess not... the hold up on that was Ericsson wants to wait and see if Real uh, offers him a contract. Really? I think he's holding out for Real, and if that doesn't work, he goes I to Inter. The price which... tag is like 17, 18 mil. I mean, not, Look, if, too crazy. If, Anto- if Antonio Conte gets a hold of of uh, of Ericsson, God help everybody, because he's just going to stick him into Fabregas role, and he's going to be... I would just love serving to up have dimes. Him. I mean, why is that such a low price tag? I mean, they're are they not going to sell to? Well, well, he has team? he has, he only has six months left on his contract, so he could sign on the free. So yeah, so yeah. The, so all the power is in his hands. It's not necessarily in Tottenham's hands. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, guess going back to Envar, or Envar's oh, right. question, excuse me. Um, look, Ali Giroud's pretty much gone. I think Pedro's another one that would happen is more likely than unlikely. Um, the third one, I think, I think Marcus Alonso um, might be on his way out. You know, I know Frank likes to use him when we play with a back three, but now that, um, but now that we have Reese James playing on the right and Aspi on the left, I think even if we do play with a back three, he'll still go with uh, them two to be this primary fullbacks in those situations. So, yeah, I think uh, Ali Giroud, Pedro, and Alonso for me. Yeah, I, uh, I think, I think, if we don't go after another striker. Then Mishi stays for sure, but um, I think he might be, you know, offloaded in a transfer, you know, as like a, a player swap plus cash if we, yeah. if we do get another striker. So that's a possibility. But I think if we if we don't go for another one, then he stays for sure. I mean, he, he's yeah. he's a great guy coming off the bench, so um, I would love I'd love to keep him. Um, so last we'll get into our last question. This one is this a new and this guy's never asked a question before, right? This is oh a good, yeah. And and he he has one of the best Twitter handles at, um, at Nacho A Fuentes. Yeah, Nacho, what's up, dude? Hi, welcome to the Nacho. show. My assistant coach for my club team's name uh, his name is Nacho. Also, 
Oh, what a coincidence. A lot of good nachos out there. <laughs> There's a lot of good nachos out there. Yeah, so he asks, which on, the, which on loan Chelsea player is the most likely to break into the first team? Who do you think? I mean, that? I think the obvious one here is Connor Gallagher. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, he he just he absolutely killed it at Charlton. He looks like a midfielder that could do everything, you know, in terms of putting in the hard yards, picking out a pass. He scores goals. Um, defensively, he's very sound. He's aggressive. He has the right size and physicality as well. Um, but I think, you know, out of the other ones, it might be Mark Gahey. I mean, I know he just went to Swansea on loan. It's a great loan opportunity for him to, you know, play on a team that's doing pretty well in the championship. And I mean, we saw the the, the type of growth that a player can achieve uh, in the championship through guys like Fakayo Tomori, who, you know, uh, who are on the lighter side in terms of, you know, size for a center back, but, you know, have that footballing and technical ability to to make their way and to progress as a player. So I, I would say Mark Gay, he would be the least obvious of the two, but definitely, you know, between him and Connor Gallagher, I could see one of them. Is, um, is it fair to know, classify Nathan Ake as a on-loan player? So it's just... <laughs> Pretty much that's what it is right now. We're probably going to buy yeah. him back. Yeah, no, I I don't know. The Nathan Ake thing still doesn't excite me. But, you yeah. know, thanks for the question, Nacho. Much appreciated. Hope yeah, we get more from you show. in the future. Yeah, welcome. Welcome. Well, I hope you enjoyed all of our fart jokes. and. I wonder if he's from jokes. L.A. I'm curious. <laughs> Why, because Nacho Fuentes? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. That's a good I mean, he, he might hey, be maybe, from L.A. Or maybe he's from, maybe he's from Houston. Nacho, where are you from, man? Tweet <laughs> us. Know. Let us know. Curious. Okay, so let's get into the last part. We'll run through this semi-quickly. Preview mm. of the match against Newcastle at St. James Park. So right now, Newcastle sitting 13th in the in the table. They have only one win in their last six matches. Um, Chelsea's last 10 trips to St. James Park include four wins, two draws, and four losses. So... Not, not too great. Yeah, not not the best record uh, there in recent history. Um, they, we we do seem to have a lot of tough matchups against them in recent years. Like, just mm-hmm. like, just like, un uncharacteristically, they play out of their skin and just <laughs> destroy us. But um, yeah. do you have any predictions for this match, Zach? Uh, John Joe Shelby uh, <laughs> will do something absolutely reckless. <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, other than that, look, I think, I, I think it can be comfortable for us if we put away our opportunities early. That seems to be the problem with us, uh, recently is that we just, we fail to kill teams off like right. Burnley. Yeah, we did win three. No, but we could have easily won that five or six. We could have run the score up on that game. I was actually hoping for it, but mm-hmm. I think this is another one of those situations where, you know, Newcastle does have a little bit of a bounce. You know, they had a good performance against Wolverhampton. Uh, Miguel Almiron or Miggy as as they like to call him you know he has three goals in his last three matches after scoring zero in the first like over a thousand minutes of Premier League football so you know they do have a little pep in their step here they're 13th in the table they're definitely no mugs and listen I mean you could say what you will about Newcastle as a team but in terms of a footballing city I mean I don't think you find a more diehard footballing city around um, you know, it, it, it's a one club city and it's a proper footballing stadium. It's huge. And, uh, you know, it's never, ever an easy place to go to play. And I think our record in the last 10 matches shows that. So if we can put away our chances early, I'll go two nil Chelsea. I think it'll be pretty dry. I think they'll make it very ugly, very difficult. But uh, I think we'll be able to nick two goals. Um, I'm going to go Callum Hudson, a 
gets back on the score sheet. I'm going to go two matches in a row. I I, I, mm. I honestly think he keeps it running, um, especially against a team like Newcastle. And it's also important to note Newcastle has a a mid a midweek matchup I think tomorrow in the FA Cup. Um, so they're they're going to be coming off a short week as well. Um, the only what four days four days of rest. Um, yeah. So well, you know that's a tricky one for them because I de- the, you know for the most part teams in and around 13th. I mean that's a mid table club. Usually they would try to make a cup run and sacrifice you know maybe a few points in the league to make a, you know that potential cup run but in this case you know they're only a few points five, ahead of the drop zone i mean everything yeah everything is very very mm-hmm. tight so they they have to put out a big squad against us now it's going to be interesting if you're listening um check out the lineup for the newcastle match at midweek I'd be very very curious to see how strong of a lineup they put out yeah they're playing against rockdale which uh i don't know what <laughs> what Rochdale. division they play in Rochdale yeah. I don't know what division they play in but um the yeah I mean th- these these are always the matches that I I hate like being like predicting because you know you go into it thinking obviously we're the better we're better club and like we should definitely come out with a win against them uh mm-hmm. but it's it, it's they're like, gonna pimp slap us at the same time <laughs> it's not it, just it just kind of feels like one of those I, yeah because I feel like there's there's a lot there's been a lot of I mean there's been a lot of games where we dominate and we don't put away mm-hmm. the chances like you just like you mentioned earlier and yeah. it's, and it you know it's definitely against these teams that uh, I, th- I don't know if it's maybe a lack of concentration because you know it's 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 not like a t- kind of game that you really want to get up for you know like when you're playing against a you know like a top a top six club you're probably going to be locked in and more you know intent in everything you do but you know when you're playing a mid mid-table team it's not the same purpose it just kind of it just kind of screams of one of those games where like you know in years past like a diego costa really scrappy goal would get us away with a one nil yeah and i think the reason i i think a big problem with us is that we don't have that type of experience or leadership on the pitch for or, or or even that potential game changer that could just score one goal on his own after 90 minutes of nothing mm-hmm. um, and, and, and get and us away with three points. And we're also coming off a three nil win, so I mean, as yeah. inconsistent as we as we've been this this year, it only means that we're probably not going to have a great match in the next game. Because I mean, the one caveat like. is we are pretty good on the road. We yeah. are a very good road team, so. <laughs> well, let, let, let's change that. We're pretty bad at home. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, exactly. Which is, which is really crazy. I don't know why, but I, I, if I were given honest prediction, I'd say we'd win two nil, um, or two one. Um, I don't think it's going to be a high scoring match at all. Uh, mm. but uh, they might they might get one in. Uh, but I I just I have I have a really bad feeling. I think every time this season now from now on i'm just gonna feel really bad after a win like <laughs> i mean if you look yeah. at like I'm, I'm gonna look at our, at our after form. all of our big it's wins, a win draw a shit team. win draw yeah. win loss win i mean it, it, it's every other week or every other match yeah. so yeah if, if if trends if the trend keeps up then i mean right now we're sitting five points ahead of man united which I mean, they had a that was uh, or who knows it was leicester city who had a a big result for us uh we're only six we're still six points behind them but yeah i'm, I'm just i'm just down they've the looked top like four shit finish. since indeedy went down yeah Lester. i mean they the missing indeedy is absolutely huge for them 
I'm I'm happy with top four. I don't care if we yeah. finish third or fourth. To be honest, yeah, what, I don't what, give what a fuck. We're not going to win the title. Yeah, second and fourth are pretty much the same in exactly. my opinion. If you're not winning, if you're not, if you're not first, you're last. The great Ricky Bobby said that once. Yeah, well, yeah. being fourth is better than being last in this, in this scenario though. <laughs> in this league, yeah. <laughs> I mean, anyways, um, you know, that does bring us to the end of the pod. Some very, very, very well done. On winging it while Andres was gone. Andres is um, here in spirit, though. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is here in spirit. Um, but anyways, I mean, if uh, if you're listening and uh, you're not already following us on Twitter, make sure you go ahead and do so at Romans Empire Pod. Uh, our podcast is on SoundCloud. Um, we are on third-party apps, uh, both for Android and for iPhones, um, and uh, we're on Apple Podcasts as well. So make sure you check out our show. Let us know what you guys think. Again. Shout out to uh, Nacho Fuentes. Uh, first question, he popped his question, Cherry. It was a massive day for him, massive day for us. Uh, <laughs> but with that being said, Sam, always a pleasure. Uh, I'll always. probably wind up texting you tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, until next week, keep the blue flag flying high.